Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, praise God. You are a good-looking bunch this morning, and let's just give the Lord another hand of praise and thanksgiving in this place today. And we could never do that enough. Have you ever thought about that? You could never give God enough worship and praise. He is worthy and deserving of everything. And we want to thank you all for coming out on this beautiful Carolina day. How many of you are suffering from March Madness-itis this morning? You've been watching basketball for like three or four days straight now, and you're just like, you know, just shaking. You got the shakes because of, of the madness. And, and well, you're in the right place because we're going to forget about all that stuff, right? Oh, come on now. I gave you a great opportunity to kind of get, get involved here. We're going to forget about all that stuff and put it to the side. Who cares about Duke? Who cares about Cat? Well, I can't even say that, but you know what I'm saying. But we, we want to just, <laughs> okay, let's move right on to the message this morning. And welcome. Get your handouts out and let's raise the house lights a little bit so people can see the, the word and they can see their notes and, and all that good stuff. And let's give a hand to our production team right now. Tell them how much we appreciate their their great work for us. And um, we've been involved in a study on the book of Nehemiah for a number of weeks now. We have this week and next week, we're going to finish it out. And it's going to be an awesome finish to this great study. If you missed anything, go back and catch up or be refreshed. But um, today we're talking out of chapters 8 and 10. It's kind of a condensed study. Uh, Along these lines there at the top of your outline, yes, it's there. Surprise, it's not about the wall. (laughs) Don't you love that? I mean, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 56 days, which is an incredible feat. I mean, they did it without modern tools and equipment that we have today, and they just went to work with God's calling on their lives under the leadership of Nehemiah and got it done. They pushed through, as we've looked at the last three weeks, all the enemies coming at them from every side, even from within, infighting that had taken place, division, and, and, and Nehemiah put a stop to all that. And he kept everybody on the wall working relentlessly and said, we are not about to deviate, and get this, from what God has called us to do. Why? Because as we talked about, we're reminded last week, he stated this, God has called me to a great work, and I'm not about to come down, and I'm not about to stop. So that's what I want every one of us to grab a hold of in this study that God has called each of us to a great work. No matter where it is and what you're involved with, you are called, you are destined, you are purposed for a great work in Christ Jesus. In this moment of time in history, that's why God has you here. However, a great lesson we're going to unpack this morning is this. The physical is always secondary to the spiritual, right? But it's kind of funny how we get that backwards all too often and turned around. Church, the physical things we encounter are often there to bring about spiritual transformations in our lives. So instead of asking when something happens in the physical realm, oh me, oh my, why me? Start asking, oh God, what do you have for me in this time, in this lesson? What can I pull out of this physical thing I'm going through? Because that's exactly what we find ourselves dealing with this morning in chapter 8, that the wall was secondary. But what God wanted to do inside of each of those people who were going to live inside of that great city was priority, was, was the first thing that mattered. Spiritual things are always first and foremost. So as we head towards a conclusion of the study on this great book, 
We want to do so by gleaning all that God has and, and coming down to the end and catching what God has for us. So to, to basically boil it all down, life is completely all about living in right relationship with God. And it's all about our spirit man growing in God's grace and knowledge and understanding and strength. Listen, we can have everything this world has to offer. We can accomplish everything there is to accomplish. We can acquire everything there is to acquire in this world. But if our spirit is not rich in Christ, then we have gained nothing. We've missed the entire point of living. And Nehemiah, make no mistake about it, was a man who understood that clearly and who also understood God's call to lead a spiritual revival and rebuilding for the people of Jerusalem. Church, I'm telling you this morning, God's real purpose for the wall was just beginning in chapter 8. Thank God his people in Jerusalem did not have a monument mentality. You understand what that is? Maybe not. Let me unpack it just for a moment here. A monument mentality is simply this. Hey, look what we've done. Look what we've accomplished. Now we can kind of sit back and rest on our laurels, and we can kind of kick it in cruise control and just, just be here, and, and everything's good now. We've, we've arrived. Or you look at that great thing that's been achieved, and you say, wow. Wow, look what we accomplished. They didn't have that. Nehemiah wouldn't let them have that. They didn't see the building of the wall as the ultimate goal, and that's what we've got to understand. We've got to grab a hold of the, the fact that that's not what it's really all about. That's just a physical statement. They understood that what went on inside the walls was what really mattered in life. What will now happen inside was the reason that the walls were built in the first place. Once the wall was finished, the people began to worship, and they had revival. I'm telling you, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to look at that. And I want to ask you to do something with me that's uh, a little bit different for us, but it shouldn't be. I want you all to stand up, whether you have your Bibles or not. If your neighbor has theirs, look on with them. Remember sharing in grade school how fun that was? Remember how we, we got away from that too, too quickly? So Nehemiah chapter 8, and you're going to stand as we read the Word of God down to verse 12. And it says, beginning in verse 1, Now all the people gathered together as one person, one man, in the open square that was in front of the water gate there. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which was the Word of God, the, the Bible, the first five books of the Bible that we have, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. Now, now catch that right there. These people gathered together in the open town square. And they were standing up. And Ezra read the Bible from morning until midday, before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So verse 4, Ezra, the scribe, stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose of this. And beside him at his right hand stood, um, these are people I don't even know how to pronounce their names. So we're just kind of zip through that. These group of people stood beside him, if you kind of get that. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up like you're doing now. It's kind of why I had you do this. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, amen, amen, and did what? 
lifted up their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So also Yeshua, Benai, Shiram, and all these other people that were gathered there with him helped the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense that and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah who was the governor, Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept. And then they heard the words of the law. Or when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and rejoice greatly because, don't miss this, they understood the words that were declared to them. Lord, let your word be understood by us today and every day we are exposed to it, God. Let it come in and change us from the inside out. We thank you for your precious word in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you did pretty good standing. (laughs) Then you can be seated. Five elements of this worship that we see here. First of all, in your outlines there, it was rooted in a hunger for the word. They basically said, we want to hear what God has said. We want to hear what God speaks to us through his holy word. We are hungry for that word. Now, it happened at the water gate, which is, is pretty powerful because that is uh, symbolic for the word of God. So the people gathered there in great number because they were literally starving for the word. Let me ask you this at this juncture. How about you? Are you hungry for God's word? Is that why you've gathered here today? Are you, are you truly hungry and desiring it? Does that mean that you'll, you'll gather at the gate again in your connect groups this week and, and you'll open up your own Bibles throughout the week in the mornings, the evenings, the afternoons, at your break, at lunchtime, whatever, so that you can feast on the, the word of God? How about your Bible? Does it collect dust or, or sit on a table or a shelf all week long? I mean, do you even need to take it home? Could you just leave it here on your chair because, you know, you're not going to mess with it for the rest of the week until you get back here? I mean, I'm asking you some questions too. I know they're kind of rhetorical questions, but, but literally they're questions that should, should pick at every one of our hearts and say, how hungry for God's word am I personally? Psalm 19, 9 and 10 tells us the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. How powerful is that, that the word of God is sweet to be desired. It's a, it's a treasure. Listen, we're not going to have revival in America because of politicians. You, you got that yet? We're not going to have revival in America because somebody puts together a movement to change and, and save the planet the way that we're doing things. None of that's going to bring revival. But I tell you what's going to bring revival is prayer and fasting, seeking after God. And literally it boils down to this, church, being hungry for God in your life more than anything else that this world wants to bring to you and offer and say, here, have this. That you push that stuff away, say, no, 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 I want God's word. Job 23, 12 says, I have loved the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I'm just going to admit it right now. Almost like I'm in a, in a meeting. I'm addicted. I am. I, I'm addicted. I'm addicted to food. <laughs> How about you? You know you are. 
If you don't believe you are, try going 24 hours straight. Not three hours here and two hours here. I'm talking 24 hours straight without eating a bite, a single morsel of food. See what happens. You'll find yourself walking through the kitchen and looking at that refrigerator. <laughs> and drool start coming down, down your chin going, oh, how I miss thee. Oh, the good times that we had when I could just open you up. And I could break out that leftover chicken from last night, that fried chicken that my amazing wife cooked. And, and oh, mercy, I've just got to keep going or I'm going to be over there. And, and you try going without it for any length of time. You'll find out how addicted to food you really are. And man, we miss it when we don't have it. We feed the flesh bountifully in this country. Amen? How many of you stopped by a fast food restaurant just this week? Let me see your hands. Be truthful. You swung through the drive-thru and you ordered the number three like you always do. And instead of getting it just like it comes on the menu, you said, supersize that, please. It's just not enough French fries the way it comes normally. I need the, the large, extra large, and I need that gallon of drink that comes in the supersized thing also. So hit me with it. I, I got to have it. It's the good stuff. And some of you lied just a couple minutes ago because when I asked who went through the drive-thru, about 12 of you raised your hands. You know that ain't right. You turn to your neighbor and say, you need to repent right now. How many of you made a Krispy Kreme run this week? Let me see your hands. I got my hand up because I did one morning. I gave in to the flesh. God forgive me, but I had to have that deliciousness, you know, all wrapped up in that little, little creamy thing that just, mmm, chocolate covered all over it. Sorry, Kev. Sorry, brother. Kevin, we can go after church. It's, it's open today. We are addicted to food. We crave that stuff. We've acquired certain tastes, and, and what you like might not be what I like, but we all like something. It's evident, right? But what if we, just what if we acquired that same desire and hunger for God's holy word, for the truth that sets us free? What if we got to a point in our lives and said, I'm going to push the plate back because until I get in that Bible and get some word in me, I'm not going to put a morsel of food in my mouth. I want to satisfy the spirit. I want to grow in my spirit, man, before I grow in this physical man. Just what if? Psalm 119, 162, I rejoice at your word. As one that finds great spoil, that's hidden treasure, church. David said, I go on a daily treasure hunt, and it's not hard to find the gold nuggets in, in the word of God. We may call it hidden treasure, but the funny thing is, is it's hidden right under our noses. It's there for the, for the finding. Nehemiah's people were hungry for the word of God. They desired it. They craved it. Keep in mind, they didn't have copies of the Bible for themselves. They didn't have a, a, a Lifeway bookstore just around the block, and here pretty soon we're not either. If you haven't heard that, they're closing them all down. Have to order it all online. Some of you are tearing up right now. Just pass the Kleenexes around. It's okay. You're going to make it. But they didn't have that. You know, the, the, the funny thing is, is we have it. Multiple Bibles. We have it everywhere. We have, we have it on our phones, right? Our little handheld computers. We've got it. But do we hunger for it to the point that we jump in there and, and partake of it? Secondly, we find out that this revival was marked by hearing the Word of God. They were, they were not time conscious. They, they weren't thinking about lunch. Remember I said from morning until midday? 
You know, technically, that's how long. Six hours, basically, because they started at, at, at the six o'clock time frame and they went to about noon is what, what history tells us. So how many of you, you some of you get upset if me or P. Scott go beyond 45 minutes in, in here this, in the mornings on Sundays? You're looking at your watch. You're thinking about, man, I'm going to be late. The Baptists are going to beat me at the, at, at, to the restaurant. I, I'm going to have to stand in line, and the Catfish Cove is going to take me three hours because the line will be wrapped around the building three times, and they got to shut up so I can go get me some physical food. These, hey, I hear you there. Come on. These people stood up for six hours and just soaked it in, said, bring it, bring it, bring it. I got to have it. I need it. I've been craving that. I've been, I've been without it for so long. Because you see what happened when the, when the city got broken down and burned up and beat up. Guess what? All the things of God were removed. And man, man foreigners come in and took over and, and, and everything was, was just out of balance. Sounds kind of familiar like our country right now. The things of God are pushed to the side. Thrown out the, the walls onto the trash heap. But it took a man who heard from God named Nehemiah who stood up and said, no more. We're going to bring God's presence back. We're going to bring revival back. We're going to bring God's glory to this great city that belongs rightfully to him. Listen, they stood up, they listened. Don't misunderstand me. I don't think that service should drag on and on unnecessarily, but we shouldn't rush it or quench the Spirit of God. We've got to be sensitive to the Lord's leading as well as the attention span of the people. The point is, the people need to grow in their attention span, especially when God offers us such a feast. Now, I try not to be too long-winded or take advantage of your time. I've always tried to be aware of that, but I'd prefer to get finished before you get finished. Amen? I want to leave you wanting more and, and, and not wishing I had quit 20 minutes ago. When we want more of the Lord, that's a great, great sign that growth is taking place in our lives. They say that if you can, can't strike oil in 20 minutes, you are to stop boring. That's true, but it doesn't mean you have to stop at that either. We, we don't answer to the clock around here, but we answer to God. Amen? Third thing is they were attentive. Please, please hear this. Don't, don't waste your time coming if you're not going to listen. Right? Don't waste your time. I mean, go find something else to do on a Sunday morning. You know, like, well, pretty sure you shouldn't tell people to do that. I'm, but I, that, that's, that's the, the gospel truth. If you're not going to be here prepared, and when I'm talking about prepared, I'm talking about bring your word. I'm talking about be ready. Be in your seat before we, we start. We, you know, we're trying to figure out how can we get people in the room right here at 10 o'clock when everything strikes and sets off. I want to tell you something, man. When I go, I go. When I, I want to be early wherever I go. I hate being late, and especially church. And when I come into church, I want to come in ready. I want all the crap from the week to be left out there. I just want to leave it behind like we used to sing in the church. Leave it all behind. Okay, you didn't hear that song before, obviously, but I want to leave all that stuff behind. I want to come in here ready. I want to be an open vessel that says, God, whatever you want to pour into my life today, you just come on and pour it in because I want to get everything you got. I don't want to miss a thing. I want to even get the, the periods and the commas and everything else you got in the Word for me, Lord. I don't want to miss it, so I'm coming ready because I'm hungry. And I'm going to respond. I'm going to eat that stuff up, God. I'm going to, I'm going to truly hear because the definition of truly hearing is doing. You understand that? You husbands do. When your wife tells you, I need you to stop by Walmart and grab me some milk and some eggs and some bread, 
If you get home and you ain't got no milk and no eggs and no bread in your hand, then here's what she sees. You didn't hear me because you didn't do it. If you, if you would have heard me, guess what I'd have right now here in front of me on the counter? Milk and eggs and bread. Listen, when we hear, we do. When we hear it gets inside of us, we grab a hold of it. They were attentive to everything, verse 3b says. They grabbed it and they held on to it. Man, I'm telling you, church is not a place to just come and color and, and play on your phone and piddle and, and then, then miss everything and walk out the door not having heard and been changed by the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not what we're here for, folks. And if that's what you're doing, kindly get up, remove yourself from this building, and go about your day. Now, how many pastors are going to tell you that? This one right here. Because you're here wasting your time, and you're not getting what God has for you. And then the third thing on your outline, they were not only hungry, they were not only hearing the Word of God, but they responded to it. We just read through it, verses 5 and 6. It says, they declared amen and amen. How about you? Some of you are like, well, Pastor, I don't even know what that means. I hear people saying it. I've been coming to church for about three months now. People are saying, amen, yeah, come on. I have no clue. Well, here, let me give you a little education, and it's probably overdue. Amen simply means so be it. So when I say Jesus is coming back again, some of you say amen. You so be it. Come quickly, Lord. I'm ready for you. Whatever it is that you hear when someone makes a, a truth statement from God's word, we should jump up and say amen. And I'm going to tell you what it does to a preacher. It's like sicking a dog on a bone. I mean, hey, you get excited. Here, Joseph over here and helping me preach every Sunday morning. Some of you looking at me like you hadn't slept in three days and you don't even know if you have a pulse right now. I'm going to gravitate over here because my man's helping me over here. Amen. Bring it, Pastor. And that's exactly what they did when they heard the word. Something welled up of excitement and passion and life in them. And I'm telling you, if it doesn't do it to you, then you better find out what's going on inside because you need to be raised from the dead of your trespasses and sin or whatever's got you captive because anytime we hear the truth of God and how wonderful he is, it should explode in us, church, and not just sit on our hands looking like, oh. Did he say something, Martha? These people were celebrating. Some of you that's been going through the March Madness-itis the last few days, you've been in your living room, been in your kitchen, you've been in your car listening to it, you've been watching on your phone at work, sneaking while the boss ain't looking. And every once in a while you go, yes, yes, oh, go, man, what a play. Oh, go. Sorry. What excites you? What moves the needle in your heart, in your life? It's got to be him first and foremost. If it's not, can we even call ourselves true disciples of Christ? If he alone doesn't move the needle most of all, then you know what? We're lost. We don't know him. Because if we know him, oh my goodness. If we know him, we're going to be like King David when they brought the ark down the street. We're going to be worshiping and dancing and celebrating and saying, glory be to God because he alone is worthy. When Todd sang out this morning that, that line, man, I just about jumped through the roof. And I'm only 5'9". That's a 25-foot span there. But I just felt like, woohoo, man, I could go through. Because he was declaring, and here's what I love about it. 
It wasn't just an empty, hollow song. It wasn't just vocal abilities and talents that God's blessed him with. The man feels it inside of his heart. Every one of these folks up here, man, they have an anointing from the Holy Ghost that just drips from them. And man, they worship God and they invite us every weekend. Come and join us. Let's go to the throne room. But too many of us don't move. And God is saying it's time to move because time is running out on the cosmic clock. These people moved. They celebrated. They responded. There was life. You say, well, pastor, it's uh, very, uh, um, very easy for people to get carried away. Maybe. But I've learned from 30-something years that it's easier to cool somebody down than to warm up a corpse. <laughs> I believe in all my heart that the greatest danger we face is not becoming a bunch of fanatics. It's being a cold and indifferent group of people that can't or don't get excited about the Word of God for whatever stinking reason that this world will give you. The Bible says in many places for us to lift up holy hands to God. Is he worth that effort? It says to proclaim an amen, a hallelujah. Is he worth that? If we're not comfortable with that atmosphere, then a little newsflash. Elbow your neighbor, make sure they get this. Thank you, Lisa. If we're not comfortable with that, then we're not going to be comfortable with heaven. Heaven's going to be a party, folks. I mean, all these images of these clouds and these angelic creatures and this little harp. Pring, pring, pring. God bless you. Bless you too. So glad you made it. I was worried about you, but you're here. That's awesome. Miracles, miracles still happen. Pring. That's, that's not heaven. If you can find that in the Bible, then you show it to me first thing this afternoon. I've not seen that. What I do see is that there's going to be multitudes around the throne of God crying out, singing out on their faces, standing, arms lifted high, singing, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the king of kings. Worthy is the Lord of glory. That's what I see. I hear the multitudes of angels, that angelic choir breaking loose, man, and heaven being full of the worship of God. Not just little strumming heart stuff. Pring, pring. It's just fun doing it. I'm sorry, I shouldn't. Is Jesus worth the effort of us falling on our faces at an old-fashioned altar and saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of this world? The next thing we find is that we're to proclaim the word very clearly. Verses 7 and 8 that we read, it wasn't enough for them just to read the word. Somebody had to explain it. It's called preaching. It's called teaching. We don't just need people to stand and give a talk and, and, and pump us up and give us some great information about world topics today and all that kind of garbage. No, we don't need them just to make us feel good so we can go out and enjoy the prosperity that this world defines as prosperity. No. We need good old-fashioned gospel preaching where anointed man or woman of God will get up and say, thus says the Lord here in his word, and we need to respond to it, and we need to celebrate that. We need to break it down. I'm going to tell you something. The gospel is not complicated. 
As a matter of fact, I learned the gospel when I was a kid. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. He went to the cross. He gave up his life. And what we're going to celebrate in just a few short weeks is he raised from the dead, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave for everyone to give us hope, church. Do you have that hope today? Because if you don't, you can before you walk out the doors of this building this morning. That's the gospel so many people want to complicate it and add layers on it and all kind of confusing stuff, but it's really simple. I was lost. Jesus came after me with his great love, and he rescued me from my sins. And what he's done for me, you better believe he'll do for you. I challenge every one of us in this room and listening today and the days ahead to share the simple gospel with the people that you come in contact with in that way. Just share it. Just say, God, give me the boldness. Lord, open the door. Lord, let me find people who need to hear the simple gospel message. And let me be your ambassador. Let me be your spokesman. Let me speak that to them. I challenge you because that's exactly what happened here I'm telling you, man, they grabbed a hold of it. They broke it down. These, these people that were helping, working with Nehemiah and Ezra, they, they began to teach the people. And I believe they were out teaching them one-on-one in small groups like we have with our connect groups. And they were just breaking down the word and, and imparting it to the people so that they could understand it and they could be changed by it. And then they could take it and share it with somebody else. It's like that domino effect. You just keep passing it down, passing it down, passing it down. How do you think it got here today, here 2019, the next to last Sunday in March? How do you think it got here because of faithful men and women, it started when Jesus raised from the dead and he called his disciples together and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and make disciples of all nations. Now go. And what did they do? What, what do you think go means, Peter? Um, I mean, it, it sounds simple, but I mean, after all, it's Jesus, so there's got to be more to it. So let's debate that. Uh, John, let's, let's, let's call a forum and let's, let's have a, a conference on it. Let's kind of think about what all that. No! That, that's just stuff. They said, we will go. You commanded us to go. Here we go. Let's go. Simple as that. And that's how it got here today. Passing down from generation to generation. They proclaimed it. They taught it. They broke it down. They make it under, made it understandable to everyone there in the group. I love what theologian John R. Rice said many years ago. He said, put the, put the jelly on the bottom shelf where even the smallest soul can reach it. Don't you love that? I mean, I love it because I love jelly too, but this is, this is a great application of, of making the word simple, making the truth simple that everybody I tell you, man, if, if you haven't been a part of our children's ministry, I love big old giant Scott, Pastor Scott, my, my partner in here. He's like seven foot tall to me, it seems like, you know, because I'm a little on the short side. I'm not quite as short as some of our, our team, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of right there in the middle. But I love to see that big old guy minister to our, I didn't name any names, come on now, minister to our precious kiddos. Because, man, when they come up to him, Pastor Scott, Pastor Scott. That big old guy, he just hikes up in big old long britches and gets down on his knees and says, what you got? What's up? And he's eyeballed about it, and they're like, you was telling us about Jesus dying on a cross. I mean, how can that be? And he came back, and he just breaks it down so that they can get it. I love that. 
That's what was going on here. And then fifthly, we, fi- we find out that they were truly changed by the word. In verses 9 through 12, the goal of, of the word of God, of preaching and teaching and proclaiming is life transformation. Would you write this down in your outline? It's not informational, it's transformational. That's the purpose of it. Man, we just don't want to gain a bunch of knowledge. We want to be changed by the truth that we are exposed to. And that's exactly what happened here. They didn't just understand it. They began to obey the word that transforms lives. They gave heed to it. The Bible tells us, James wrote in the New Testament, be doers of the word and not what? Not hearers only. Listen, folks. It's not about the wall. It's about the word and it's about worship. Their transformation began with weeping. Verse 9b says that they were weeping and crying. What were they weeping over here? Simple as this, their sin. It was taught to them that sin breaks relationship between us and God. And when they heard that, when they realized that from the reading of the word, what happened in their hearts? They were broken before God because here's what they knew. We don't want anything. We don't want a single thing to break the relationship between us and God. Nothing. And knowing that, that my, my greed or my lying or my stealing or my, my adultery or whatever it may be has broken that, has violated that covenant with God, broke their hearts to the point of repentance and weeping and crying before God. What about us? We've been conditioned by this society that we live in right now that everything's okay. I'm okay, you're okay. Do what makes you happy. That's the new mantra of the day. All you got to be is happy. If you're happy, then you're successful in life and everything's peachy and it's all going to be great and it'll all end well because after all, everybody goes to heaven, right? Really? Well, that's what they keep telling me. Are you sure about that? Man, I remember growing up and seeing people just run to the altars and weeping because they knew the conviction of the Holy Spirit had quickened in their heart. This isn't right. This is not what God has called us to. And that conviction drove people to come and fall on their faces at the front of the church and just weep and cry out, God, forgive me. And that's exactly what happened here. But then Nehemiah and Ezra, hey, they heard the weeping, they saw the repentance, and then they turned them to joy. The second part of verse 10 says they encouraged them to be joyful in God because God hears their repentant prayers, and God pours out what, church? Grace and forgiveness. Is that right over here, right side? What about the middle? What does God pour out? Grace and forgiveness. How about you, left side? You strong today. And for, wow, did you hear that? What, y'all want one more try over here? Okay, I'll give you one more try. What is it? God pours out what? Grace. And forgiveness. Middle? Grace. Production booth? Grace. Yes. You thought I forgot you. How about over here? Grace. Woo, how sweet it is to know that our sins can be washed away completely. And what joy that brings. Listen. Nehemiah and Ezra had wisdom and stepped in to encourage the weeping that there was hope and help in the Lord. And man, they grabbed that and didn't let it go. 
I'm going to tell you, the devil wants to bring you down and keep you down, but the Spirit of God wants to bring you down in order to lift you up higher than ever before. Preaching, listen to me. Everybody grab this right now. True gospel preaching might make you mad at first. (laughs) How dare he talk about that? It might make you mad at first, but then, good news, it'll make you sad after that. It's getting better, right? But it does that so that the Lord can make us glad. Woo, that's good. Mad, sad, then glad. That's what it does. Because we can trade our filthy rags for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And be spotless before him. And there is no kind of joy. No kind of happiness. Nothing this world can give you. That will even come close to touching that. So get you some of that right. Tell your neighbor. Get you some of that. You look like you need it. Go ahead. Tell them that. They might be looking all down this morning. I don't know. Just in case. Here's the process that happened. These folks responded in obedience in verses 12 through 17 that we don't have time to tackle. They said, that's us. We're going to go, go with this. We're going to grab a hold of it. They responded in obedience. And I'm going to tell you, that changes everything when we obey the Lord our God. The last four things I put on your outline there. Promises they made in chapter 10. And I'm just going to tell them to you real quick. Full submission to God's word. Verse 29 of chapter 10, no halfway in, halfway out, wavering back and forth. Choose you this day whom you will serve, said Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going to do what? We're going to serve the Lord. There's our stake. We're driving it in deep. No riding the fence and all that kind of junk. We belong to you, Jesus. You did too much for us to squander that. You paid too heavy a price for us to to let that get away from us, God. We will not waver. We will live in full submission. Secondly, they they said they would separate from the world around them. In other words, we're not going to mix with other religions. We're not going to blend your faith, my faith, that all is going to the same place because we all serve the same God, right? Let's just coexist. They said, we're not playing that game. Because what happens is the pollution begins to trickle in to the purity. You can document that. The pollution begins to trickle into the purity, and then all of a sudden, the purity is not so pure anymore. And it becomes poison. You can add that to it if you want to. I, God just gave us that as a gift right here. Don't you like that? Mm. And then they decided and declared that they would take the Sabbath, taking that day to honor God and find that Sabbath rest in verse 31. And then finally they declared that they would support God's work completely. Verses 32 through 39, supporting God's work here on earth because we realize that it's the most important thing there is. I'm going to tell you, your career, it doesn't match what God's called you to as his child. I'm going to tell you, your, your scholastic achievements, they don't, don't even come close. I'm going to tell you, your, your sporting achievements, man, that is just nothing compared to the glory and the calling and the commission of God on your life. All that stuff pales in comparison. But what happens is we tend to put all those things on the top shelf and we put the, the calling of God on our lives down somewhere else on the bottom shelf and it gets lost in all the trophies and junk and, and every, all the clutter there. And we live for the wrong things. 
But they said, we will not do that. We're going to support God's work fully with our time, our treasures, and our talents, and everything that we've got. He comes first. He comes first. Would you close your eyes for just a a moment with me? And very simply, I'm going to ask you as the team comes back, where's your heart? Where's your passion? Where's your love? Where's your allegiance? Is it truly to God and his word or, or is it not? Has it gotten lost in the stuff of this world? Has it, has it gotten pushed to the wayside or, or is it still flaming hot? I mean, I, I don't know. But I guarantee you this, you and God know. You know full well. Let me ask you this, is the conviction of the Holy Spirit gripping your heart right now? For change to come in some way, shape, or form? I I don't know. You tell me. Here's what I do know. That as we respond in obedience to the call of God on our lives and in our lives, true change can come and transformation can take place. So right now with every eye closed for just another moment in here, where's your allegiance? Where's your heart? What's going on in your life? Is there some area that the Holy Spirit has has touched in your life this morning and said, hey, I want to bring change there. Allow me to do my work in this way. If there is, would you just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I hear God speaking to me today clearly and I I want to respond just as the people of Nehemiah's day did. Would you just raise that hand and say, don't forget me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I see you. And yes, sir. And who else in here would say, that's me. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? And God's here to do this great work in us and through us. And thank you. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Just lift your hands up today and say, Pastor, that's me. God's God's gripping my life right now, dealing with some things in me that, that he truly wants to come and bring revival in. Some of you have just been feeling hopeless and helpless and no joy, no spark, no life of, of God really exploding in you. And you're, you're tired of just getting by. And today you say, I, I won't do that any longer. I, I need that revival of joy that comes from God himself. Would you just raise your hands in this room? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Who else over here? Yes. Would you just come and meet me now? And Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you say, you know what? That's me too. And I just want to come and just surrender at the, at the altar this morning and give it all to the Lord. Would you just make your way down here now? Those of you that raised your hands and maybe if you didn't, would you just come down because you feel the Holy Spirit stirring your heart as well? And I want to ask you to find a place around this altar. And if you can, just kind of kneel down or even sit down here on this, this stage area and just find your place and begin to do business with God. And I want others of you to come and say, hey, we're with you in this. We're, we're praying for you and standing with you and kneeling with you and loving on you and, and walking through this together. Would you ladies and men just come now and begin to, to pray and minister? Come on, if you want somebody to come down with you and, and pray with you this morning, then nudge them. Say, hey, hey, won't you walk down with me? God's doing something in my life and I want to share that with you. Would, you. would you come now and be a part of this? And as you do that, worship team, would you just go ahead and just begin to lead us in worship? Everybody in this room, stand to your feet. 
begin to just worship God together as a body this morning, as a, as a mighty choir today. Would you just do that together as we do business here around the altar this morning? Thank you, Father. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.